1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Kind of Funny X Cast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Snowbike Mike, and today I'm joined with my guy, the greatest on planet Earth, Paris Lily, for another episode. Paris, how are you doing today?
2: I knew that was coming and I still wasn't ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is great. That is great.
1: I'm doing good. Good, Paris. Good. It's really great to be able to sit down with you and hang out. Of course, we had a a little bit of change of schedules. Gary's unable to make it, but you and I have a really fun show to get into. Want to give a big shout out to Ben Hanson over at MinMax. Of course, if you just heard my voice, I had to suck down a big old balloon before. We jumped on the show to make him happy after our team kind of funny lost in trivia tower. If you want to go check that out and have a fun night of trivia with the min max crew and kind of funny, you can go check that out over on their YouTube channel. I got to co-host that for a fun night of trivia and it was truly a blast. So please go check it out. But Paris, it's really awesome because today you and I, we're going to talk about our experiences with saints row. We have a full review over on the kind of funny games cast, but we'll kind of get to do our own X cast review today on the show. And we had an awesome preview of, of course, Obsidian's Pentiment is right around the corner, and you and I got to go behind closed doors and get to hear the whole rundown from Josh Sawyer and the team from Obsidian about Pentiment. So stay tuned for all of that. But Paris, I have some fun stuff to kick off the show. First off, did you watch Game of Thrones? And is Game of Thrones
2: back? I think it's back. It's Which back. I, 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 and I And I swear to you, an hour before I watched it, I would not have said that. The only reason, the only reason I even got into it, I just saw so many people on social media talking so high because I wasn't going to watch it. I was like, eh, I'm done after that last season. Everybody was talking so positive about it. And then my sister-in-law, because it was out with the family, we're having ice cream. And my sister-in-law was like, because her husband didn't come. And I was like, wait, wh- why is he not here? He's like, he had to stay home. He has he has, he has to watch House, you know, House of Dragon. And he was all excited. I was like, you know what? Okay, screw it. So last night I watched it. And it's like that, that meme from Godfather, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back. Never in.
3: doubt I'm, my boy, I'm, I'm Matt I'm Smith, in. except oh, like ignore, it. ignore Morpheus. We don't talk about Morpheus, but Matt Smith yeah. always brings the goods. And like, when I saw him that like, they got him for this show I was like, oh, he's going to bring something special to this.
2: Yeah, mm. I'm, I'm definitely interested in this story to see where it's going to go. And, uh, look, I, let's look at it this way. How many seasons of Game of Thrones do we have? Eight? Eight hey seven of them were really good so true. i'll just look That's at true. it that way i'll look at it that way so I, I i have some hope here at least for for the early seasons we'll obviously see how it plays out so yeah they got me i'm back in yeah
1: they they got me i was really excited uh i was a little apprehensive like most people right but that intro and then right as they played the music i said to my friends i go if they got a dragon flying <laughs> in the sky i in." and sure enough the first scene is the girl dry, flying the dragon i'm like i'm back no matter what i'm back yeah. into this and they did everything that I wanted, right? For me, as the casual Game of Thrones fan, I'm there for the violence. I'm there for the dragons, right? I'm there for the intrigue of the story, and they nailed all of that right from the get go. And I was really pumped up about it. So, can't wait to catch up next Sunday and see where we go from there. on. but uh, Paris, we had a good week can, as well. Can, oh, tonight
2: me. before we go, because Barrett's here, and I know I oh, know okay. he's he's as hooked in as I am. Ooh, how phenomenal was Better Call Saul?
3: Ah. <sighs> uh. What a fantastic show! That not enough. What people a fantastic, yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunate, yeah. just because of you know, Breaking Bad was able to. Uh, kind of escape all of the noise way back in the day because there was way less content being made, also in a very different streaming landscape. What was it, like 10 years ago at this point? Yeah. Uh, So it's unfortunate that 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 same amount of love isn't being poured a better call Saul because I I think that's uh, one of the uh, best modern TV shows, I think, uh, in ways it surpasses Breaking Bad uh, in the writing. And I think that's just because uh, the Gilligan-Gould production team has just been able to hone their craft over the last uh 14 years and I I, I it was truly phenomenal I'm, and I'm sad to let go of that universe but I think they they ended it where they needed it to and uh yeah it was it was fucking fantastic Parrish.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I and I'll just say really quick and we'll get into gaming here but uh Bob Odenkirk to just think where he came in at during the the breaking bad, you know, universe and really didn't, you know, he he didn't think anything as he wanted playing that character for 12 years, and then to just see how they stuck the landing with that series finale. Um, I mean, it was it was fantastic. And it's crazy. And what, what Better Call Saul did was as a prequel it actually made Breaking Bad better, which is crazy to think. But also, it turned out it was a love story. And that's no spoilers. Yes. But ultimately, this was a love story. Yeah, that's wild to think that that's ultimately what all this was about. So yeah, phenomenal series. Anybody that's on the fence, definitely Go watch it. Watch Breaking Bad. You'll you'll love it.
1: Got some good TV recommendations there to jump into while you're uh, taking your downtime from gaming. But we'll jump into some fun gaming. I got a fun icebreaker for you and I, Paris, because QuakeCon just happened last week, and it got me thinking, you know what? Let's talk about it. I'm going to drop three jabronis on an island, and only one can come out. And I need you to tell me who's winning my Battle Royale. Master Chief, Doom Guy, or... BJ Blazkowicz, who are you choosing to walk out on top?
2: I've struggled with this. I, immedi- I immediately il- eliminated BJ. He's out. He's okay. Dead. Sorry, you're, okay. There's no way you're you're getting past Doom Guy and and a freaking Spartan. This is not going to happen. You're going to die, <laughs> right? You might be able to take out Nazis, but you're not taking those two guys out. So it comes down to Doom Guy and Master Chief, and I'm so conflicted. My initial thought is Chief will figure out a way. And he'll win, but then I just think I just think of the arsenal that Doom Guy has, man. It's like he, he he's packing, and I don't know. I'm so conflicted. I my heart tells me Master Chief because you know I'm 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 so connected to him. But I lean Doom Guy. I think Doom Guy. I just I just think he has too heavy of an arsenal that that Chief is just simply not going to pack enough of a punch to take him out. Oh, I love that you went there with the Arsenal because that's not what I was thinking.
1: I leaned into Master Chief like you did with the trained super soldier, right? Yeah. He's done it all. He's got all the gizmos and gadgets that we want from this latest entry, right? But the Arsenal is right. Doom guy's got a lot of it. I do want to give a small little shout out to BJ, right? Because like yeah. you said, BJ's taken down some Nazis before. He did have a super mech suit at one yes, point. Yes, that is true. Late, that is pretty true. recently, so and, and, and he Nazi, can pack just, a small punch. Yes,
3: he, he packs a great punch. He's very resourceful, but I will say if you're dropping these three on an island, like I, I think BJ is the one that I love the most, but... I, I think just because of like his resourcefulness also comes from his crew you know like uh, how much right. they help him out and stuff like that and so if it's just him on this island I think he survives for a bit but I do think he's the first one to go but I'm also inclined to to agree with Paris I think Doomguy is the, the one to stick it out just because he's also dealt with you know all of the space <laughs> hell stuff and he Everything. does it by himself <laughs> yes, or like yes. Master Chief also does things by himself but he also you know usually uh, you know has some help going on throughout uh, you know his stories and stuff like that so i think just how uh resourceful and just uh just insane doom doom guy is i think i think he he has the edge over master chief in a way all right well there it is audience out there the kind of funny x cast is weighed in doom
1: guys coming out on top we want to know what you think let me know in the youtube comments down below of course out of those three so who's walking off the island but looking at quickcon we had some cool game pass updates that I wanted to make sure we covered before we got into the news and all the fun topics. Of course, out right now, you have an Elder Scrolls Legend Battle Spire, Quake 4, Return to Castle Wolfenstein, the Elder Scrolls Adventures Red Guard, Wolfenstein 3D, and for Game Pass Perks, Quake Champions Champion Pack. Instantly unlock all the champions with the ultimate perks. Play the entire roster of 16 elite champions. Uh, Quake Champions is a must-own before you can unlock all these characters but it's available for free on the windows store Quake champions a game that was revealed like five years ago paris and now is like finally fully out right but it's Mm. been out did you ever check this one out because they had a killer trailer i'll never forget that i said "Ooh, those characters look really dope like i told gary recently i haven't played any quakes have you ever checked out quake champions
2: i have not i was into quake way back in the day but by the time that came out i kind of fell off on it but no, i haven't checked it out unfortunately
1: all right i'm i might check it out now that we've had a little bit more hype here over this past week i might give that a check out because i remember games like unreal tournaments i was definitely into so I, I think gary sold me well on quake maybe i should give this one a try yeah. but quake champions i got my eye on you we'll take a look paris let's jump into the fun of course this is the kind of funny XCast cast we post each and every Wednesday at 6 a.m. West Coast, best coast time on youtube.com slash kind of funny games, Teeth.com, And of course on podcast services around the globe. Don't forget. We are now Epic games partners here at kind of funny, which means if you're buying games off the Epic Games store, upgrading your look over in rocket league or buying the season pass in Fortnite, please use our Epic creator code kind of funny at checkout to help support the team. It's no additional cost to you and you can help support us in a brand new way. Of course, talking about support, we always want to give a big shout out to our friends over on Patreon, all those kind of funny best friends that support us on Patreon, just like this month's Patreon producers, Fargo Brady, Delaney Twining, James Hastings, and Casey Andrews. Thank you all so much for your support. This week, The Kind of Funny X-Cast is sponsored by Undies, but myself and the team will tell you all about that a little bit later. Paris, let's jump right into it. Let's talk Saints Row. Of course, over on the Kind of Funny Gamescast, we did a full review with myself, Blessing, and Janet, so you can go check out the official Kind of Funny review. But here on the Kind of Funny Xcast, it's me and Paris. We get to talk about this stuff, so we'll do our own kind of mini-review here. But I really want to know about your experience, your thoughts, and then we can break down a little bit deeper into my thoughts that I didn't get to share on the Gamescast. So, Paris, Saints Row 2022, The Return. What did you think?
2: So for first and foremost, I think all of you did a phenomenal job on on Gamescast. I watched it earlier today, thought it was great. I thought just everybody, yourself, Blessing Janet, I think everyone just summarized it up very well. And I agree with a lot of that sentiment. And, And it's unfortunate because I even tweeted out this morning. There is some fun to be had in Saints Row, but it's so few far in between. And in 2022 to come out with this type of open world sandbox game and it's not it's it's not doing anything innovative right it's not doing anything i just i feel like i have been here before and i have been here many times before whereas i i think i even said it before the show started if this came out in 2012 we'd be applauding it But we've had so many different variations of this in the past decade, not to mention, and I just have to be be frank here, I understand that Saints Row has always been a parody of Grand Theft Auto. When I look at Grand Theft Auto five, and I think that is a game that is from a decade ago. And this is not even doing that as far as the storytelling goes, as far as the the mission variety goes. um, It's it. Ultimately, this just felt generic to me. And that's unfortunate because I really had a lot of high hopes for Saints Row and them basically making this remake and setting it in in this town. And I just thought we'd get some really fun satire moments, some really fun sandbox moments out of this game that aren't just a repeat of things that we've done multiple times before. I think, like I, I mentioned mission variety, I felt like a lot of the missions, I was just kind of doing the same things over and over, especially with the side missions. There was really no variety to them. It was just, all right, let me do this again for like the 17th or 18th time, right? And then when you dive into the story, it just is very bland to me. It didn't do anything that I like, I I will fully admit, I kind of just blanked out on the story about halfway through. I did not finish the game for for full, full disclosure here because I wasn't having fun with it. I just wasn't. I just felt like, all right, I've done this before, rinse and repeat. What are we doing here? Not to mention, I played it on Xbox as well. And I don't know about you. I can't remember if you said this or not, Mike, but I ran into bugs as well. I ran into to some 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 glitches and some issues. And I understand it's, you know, this is review period. You know, they're going to do patches and everything. So I was never trying to ding it too much on that. But when you couple that with, well, I'm not really having fun anyways. Uh, you know, look, I'm not as extreme as Blessing was, but, <laughs> it's, but it's close unfortunately. And like I said that that that's a damn shame because I think the Saints Row franchise as a whole has been pretty solid over the years and unfortunately this kind of comes off as one of the worst entries in the series. Yeah, I echo a lot of things that you just said, Paris, and of course if people heard the
1: games cast, they know a lot of where I'm going to dive into and I feel what you just said, right? Saints Row was a very special game and franchise to me. As a young adult, right? When I think about it, you had the GTA 3s through Vice City, right? And then into San Andreas. And then all of a sudden, you were hit with Saints Row, which was the over the top kind of crazy little brother, right? That double A darling mm-hmm. that came out and was like, hey, if you like Grand Theft Auto, we're going to do all that, but we're going to be even wackier and wilder. Right. And it kind of got people, right? From the dildo bats to the insurance fraud and to kind of like that Saints Row Johnny Gat gangster mentality. I was into that, right? And I really loved the first two entries. And as people heard before, when we did the draft, I said, I'm really apprehensive. I'm bringing back Saints Row. I don't know if you can capture that magic like it once was. And from what we saw, it didn't feel like it was right. It felt like people walked into the room and were like, how do we appeal to millennials? And they just started throwing things on the wall. They were like, LARPing is a cool thing. Right. And they said, well, maybe we can't go too over the top. We don't want to offend anybody. So let's try to dial it back and have it more grounded and I think that's where you lost me, right? When I look at this group, it's supposed to be young 20-something-year-olds that just got out of college, and they're trying to make a way for themselves. I guess the the way is just to murder people in the streets. I didn't know that was the move. But for me, it's like I don't connect with any of these characters. The story beats that we got with each of the roommates, which are supposedly the main members of the Saints, just never felt heartwarming, never felt like you connected at all. And it was a big downfall because... You know, Paris, I wasn't expecting a Last of Us type story, right? I wasn't expecting to walk out of this going, wow, the story, right? But I was expecting a little bit more out of this story, and I think they really missed it on that. So now you have a forgettable story. So what happens here with the gameplay? And for me, I went above and beyond. I got 73% of the way through, and I found a lot of my enjoyment became, oh, this is something new and fresh, meaning it's a new video game. It's the open-world action game that a lot of people love. And it's just become a checklist for me. I'm just checking yeah. things off the list. And I've become addicted to just passing time doing that instead of enjoying new and varied gameplay like you brought up, right? A lot of these things come from, hey, you have 12 different ventures and all of them are just rinse and repeat gameplay that you've seen from the main missions and side hustles, which is show up to a spot, murder 20, 20 bad guys, you're done. Hey, drive this car from point A to point B. Sometimes it's really quiet. Sometimes you're being chased by the cops. Another one is you show up to a spot and you just fight endless hordes of enemies and nothing ever felt unique except for, of course, the big stable franchise, which is the insurance fraud. That was the one out of all of the ventures that was at least its own and fun thing. I found a lot of my enjoyment came from the scavenger hunt. I really loved the world that they built, and this was a new technique of like, let's get people to explore and see this beautiful world that we built, which I think it really is great and beautiful. And that is just simply drive to a spot, take a photo. Right. And as mundane as that sounds, at least was fun for me because I felt like the gameplay shooting and driving felt so old Paris. It just like, wasn't refined in there. And that's a big factor. for me.
2: That's what I'm saying. I, I do want to go back to one point that you made because maybe we yeah. slightly disagree on this, um, and this actually kind of leads into something we'll talk about later with Redfall. In 2022, we 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 have so many open world games now that I I have an expectation that the that that world needs to feel alive and it needs to feel vibrant. It needs to feel like you're not just making an an open world just to have me to give me and I'm in a car driving around and there's just it's just there it's just this empty space of things to do versus being dense and feel populated and you feel like you're just a character inside a, a world that is going on with or without you right I don't get that with Saints Row I just feel like it, this is why I say again this feels like an open world from a decade ago right and then even when I compare it to its direct competitor something like Grand Theft Auto Five, it doesn't even it's not even on par with that and is that a fair comparison maybe maybe not but like I said, here in 2022, we've done so many different open worlds now that I I do have a set expectations of that. And this just did not feel, it felt empty and not alive to me, unless you were specifically going to through to a certain mission. And like you're saying, then it would kind of populate for whatever it is that you're doing. But if I'm not on a specific mission, it just felt very empty and and cold in that That, way.
1: That's interesting. You bring it up because for me, I really liked the world design. I think the, Art style that they brought, the level of detail that they put well, that, into the world yeah. mm-hmm. is what I liked. But I, I get what you're saying, right? And I think where we're at here is when I look at these open world games from uh, Sleeping Dogs to Mafia Three into Cyberpunk and Grand yes, Theft yes, Auto, right? Yeah. Each game brings a different level of lived in and the reality of mm-hmm. the world, right? And I don't think anybody's ever found the perfect mix, right? We've never walked away saying that was the perfect lived in world. And like Saints Row, definitely as far from it. I do agree. A lot of the area just becomes empty or all of a sudden there's two cars on the road. Now there's zero, there's five people walking. Now there's yeah. none. What I liked, the one positive that I give it for their quote unquote lived in world was when you'd be driving through the desert and people would be lighting off fireworks, right? Or all of a sudden you'd be driving down the road and there was a fender bender and the two people were talking outside the car or the cop was pulling somebody over or there was a flip truck and the tow truck was there to pull it back up. Like, there was some random occasions in the game where it's like oh that's like a really cool random event on the side of the road but then like you say right they didn't nail it because i would drive the next block and it would be dead empty all of a
2: sudden yeah and right? that's and that's kind of the point it mm-hmm. was too f- few foreign but in between if i'm saying that correctly where i didn't have enough of those moments yeah. to where it felt like and then again you're like you brought up cyberpunk not not that night city completely nailed it but Night City felt lived in and alive to me, whereas you never know what could be happening around the corner, right? In, in that type of game. And I think there is an expectation for that. If you're doing an open world like this now, you have an expectation that, like I said before, you're just a character, but the world's going on without you. The world, it isn't, the world doesn't become alive because of you. It is alive with or without you if if what I'm saying makes sense. And that's kind of the unfortunate thing that I took from Saints Row. And like I said, just the actual mission structure and things that you're doing just felt like it was from another era of gaming. And that's unfortunate too.
1: Yeah, it feels like, hey, we have the three missions that we want and you're just going to rinse and repeat those all the time, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. I do want to circle back to the lived in world because I think that's the interesting one for me, right? It's like, I give it praise for a certain piece, but then we we ding it because it isn't truly lived in. What are some of your expectations, Paris? Because right? like when we look at each one, like I brought up from the different games, each one does something that I like, right? But then it kind of fails in, okay, the game just can't handle it, or maybe the tech behind it just can't do what we want. What are some of the things you're looking for? Is it traffic in the road? Is it people talking on cell phones and having conversations? Is it that patio restaurant and somebody's eating a burger? Like, what is that thing that we're missing that we want? Because Saints Row didn't quite have that, but it had some good things. What is that one thing you want, or what are the couple things?
2: It, it's kind of it's, uh, and and this isn't a cop out answer because it's true. It's kind of all the above of what you're just saying. Like I'll give you another example. I've been playing a ton of Spider Man recently, so even that open world with with Spider Man, when you kind of get down to the ground level and you you're interacting with the with the crowd as they're going about their day, or like you even mentioned, like a patio. If you're on a rooftop, and you see people on a rooftop doing whatever, barbecue, sitting around having dinner, whatever the case you hear these conversations going on. You feel like, and they react to you coming by because you're Spider-Man you're like, oh, wow, oh my God, the Spider-Man, you know, it's like, oh, wow, that, that feels earned to me. That feels like, okay, this, this is a real living, breathing world that I'm in, not, not just a generic static world, that the only time it feels like it comes alive, as I said before, is when you're on an actual mission and it is required to be alive, to make, to accomplish whatever objective that you're trying to do.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Paris, what, what are some examples that did really well? You brought up Spider-Man. Is there another one that's like, oh Mike, this is the one where like, at least they were moving in the right direction here that you like? Well,
2: it, it is interesting. It's going to sound super biased because I'm obviously bringing up two CD project, project red games. Mm -hmm. I think the Witcher three for its time with that open world was doing was great. Um, obviously, like I just mentioned before, Cyberpunk with Night City, I think has done a great job with that. Now, here's one that people probably wouldn't expect, but I think did a great job with their open world was Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I really enjoyed that that open world, and that was that was what uh, Greek Greek mythology that, that it was going through, right? Like, obviously, I just mentioned Spider Man and Miles Morales are, are very similar in that way as well. Um, you know, another I guess this doesn't really count as an open world because it's more of a battle royale. Uh, I was just going to say just recently playing Rumbleverse. Oh, well, there <laughs> kinda, you go. I kind of like that one as well. Now, here's one where I think you can ding that didn't do as great a job as you thought it would have. Halo Infinite, oh, believe it or yes. not. You know, but they admit it's not a true open world. And they're not trying to say it's, hey, just go over it, do whatever you want when you want. It is more structured in that way of just these big sections that you get to go to and there's things going on but even in and i'm not trying to derail it into a negative but just as an example of another one i thought that could have done better even when you're in these big open spaces of halo infinite there isn't always enough going on around you right you'll run into these set pieces where brutes or grunts or whatever are are stationed around a certain thing and you can interact with them and have a fight but there's not enough random encounters and things going on. And even if you take that back to the initial reveal of it, there's supposed to be like all these animals running around and stuff. And and that's not necessarily happening in that game. I know I am blanking on other open worlds to compare it to. I'll probably later go, oh, this one too. But I think those are some good examples.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a big one everybody talks about, right? Is that lived in world, right? How does it feel when you're there? I bring up like, the level of detail in the world itself. I think Santo Aliso is really pretty, right? You Mm -hmm. and I and Gary have talked of like, what is the next GTA? And I think Gary brought up like, what if they did the Southwest? And I first gawked at it. I was like, I don't want to be in some desert. Like that doesn't sound fun to me. It's just going to be Brown all the time. And sure. This is Brown all the time, but it has some really beautiful worlds, right? The points of interest do stand out. They have bright, colorful stuff. I do ding it though, Paris, because they have a couple of big landmarks and it's just like, they do nothing with it, right? They have this right, whole right. casino section and nothing happens in it. And it's like, man, when are we going to get to that part where we're doing more with some of the world around us? But yeah, the lived-in world is something we always talk about. It's interesting on open worlds. And some people get it. I don't think anyone's ever been perfect, and that's been the gold no, standard. But no. we keep inching forward. And so I do give them a small point of like the random acts. But like like you said, right? After a while, it just becomes the same fireworks going over and over and again. Uh, But that's, you know, something interesting.
2: Yeah, I I totally, how am I going to forget this one? I'm sure the comments are screaming at me right now. Red Dead Dead Redemption (laughs) 2. Oh, (laughs) yes. They they, they nailed that open world Uh, for that. I think that is actually one of the best representations of a living, breathing, open world that feels thriving, that you never know what's around the corner as you explore. various areas in there i thought if anything rockstar absolutely did a great job with that and then even along those lines we keep going back to grand theft auto 5 grand theft auto 5 for as old as it it is as an open world it's still pretty freaking good even even to this day obviously the multiplayer has really expanded upon that so along those lines it, it will be very interesting to see what rockstar does next with gta 6 you know as far as just iterating even further on the open world concept i think that you know to summarize all this i know we'll probably move on here just overall open worlds are here to stay they're not going anywhere clearly we're, we're definitely going to see more of those i mean starfield for all intents and purposes a- as a game that we're going to get here pretty soon is basically an open world game it's a discovery game you're going to all these planets and doing all these these different things so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out you know in that that type of setting but yeah we're definitely going to see more uh well Fable. Fable is going to be another yeah. one sticking the Xbox is going to be an open world game. So we'll definitely be interesting to see what people do to continue to advance it. But we have definitely reached a point where like a game like saints row, I have that been there, done that feeling and yeah. I'm, I'm ready for something new.
1: Yeah. I want to give a couple of shout outs to the good, and then we can focus on some of the bads and then get out of the saints row talk. But like I said, right, I got lost in the checklist. And I think a lot of people, when they see these open world games, they want that big checklist, that endless, oh, I spent $60 on this. I'm going to be here for a while. And it has that, right? And we just talk about a lot of the missions and the side hustles and the ventures are all very samey. But if you're Mm -hmm. looking just to get lost in it and just turn your brain off, it will have that in spades. It is a big game. I spent probably 20 to 30 hours in, and like I said, I'm only 73% there. And it is so much more to do. Another one is customization, right? You and I and everybody saw the boss factory beforehand (laughs) where it was like, hey, you can create yourself. You can create anyone, right? And I talked about it in the review. I just don't have the skills to make my characters ever look good. I wish there was a randomized button, honestly, but a cool one I want to give two props to is one is the variety. And of course, they also have user-generated content, so you can use somebody else's cool creations and see that. I thought that was dope. And then also being able to change your character at any time throughout the game, I thought was really, really awesome by just bringing up your phone going into Mm -hmm. the character creation and like you can create your clothes or you can like redo your whole self from a male to a female. You can change your voice on the fly. That was something for me when I started, I was like, I don't know what voices to use. So I used this like Western sheriff's voice almost. And I was like, you know, halfway through the game, let's see what this sounds like. And I changed it up to a different voice. And so I thought it was really cool of like, Oh, you can fully customize your character at any given moment. Just completely switch it up. Big shout out to that. And especially there's two ventures that I hope people get early because it's easy to get lost in them because they're so expensive and like you might choose the wrong ones. But there is a clothing shop one where the girl sends you on scavenger hunts to find new materials for your clothing. And so then you can really elevate your look by having different materials, which is really dope. And then the other one is the Incubator that me and Jana talked about, because this mission is different from the other ones. I think the Incubator and the Insurance Fraud are probably the two standouts like, hey, we're different from the normal, because the the Incubator has you get to try three different weapons and utility tools from Marshall, which is the high-tech, like cops, essentially. And you get a hoverboard, you get a football grenade where you throw it onto them, and it propels them up into the sky and blows up. And then the other one is a shield that goes up and you can shoot through walls. You would not know that you got that unless you paid for that venture. And it brings in so much more fun into the game. Like the second half, I was just chucking footballs at enemies and laughing as they flew all around to throwing them on helicopters and cars. And it is too bad that like they kind of hide that and don't promote that, especially being so different from your generic show up, murder 20 people, drive the car from point A to point B. So I really hope, people check those ventures out and also i gave a shout out before there's some cool enemy variety in this parents a lot of it is just generic dumb batty mm-hmm. but i wish they really doubled down on some of the cooler enemies that they had because over on the marshall side they had a sheriff that could multiply into six different guys they had a really cool tracking pistol that wasn't used that often they have a dope sniper rifle there was also the ravers who had cool people like There's a lot of cool enemy variety, but it's totally underutilized and just gone in the mix of all of the sameness, which is too bad to see. I really wish they did. that.
2: Agreed. Again, I keep thinking of open world stuff. So before I forget again, shout out to you, Barrett Arkham Knight. It's Mm, another good open world from back in the day. And it re- I'm really God, curious God, it, to it see pains it. me
3: to say back in the day. <laughs> I know, right? It's Seven crazy. Seven years yeah. ago, it's insane, I
2: man. I know, it's crazy. But that also makes me think we're about to get Gotham Knights here pretty soon. So let's let's see how they've updated it. In those seven years, you know, Oof. going with this open world of Gotham City.
3: Well, I wouldn't put it on the same uh, shoulders of Arkham Knight because <laughs> I have to remember it's different developers. We, 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 have to, we have to think about it I in know. the context of their last game being Arkham Origins, which uh, that is an open world game. I, I would say was very unimpressive. Uh, great story. But as, like uh, as, when we're talking about like lived in open worlds, that was definitely not one to like kind of, you know, really like uh, pause at and, and wow. Uh, I, I, simp- factor,
2: you know? I will simply say with Gotham Knights, not to derail this too far oh, off of Saints going. Row, um, I, I have this running joke that I have spidey sense with, with games that I look <laughs> oh, at and I Paris, go, don't, no, don't
3: do it. <laughs> no,
2: I go, something about this isn't right. I, 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 Two I can think of off the top of my head is Mass Effect Andromeda. I was all like, something about this isn't right. And sure enough, turns out we found out why. The other one was Anthem. Mm. And currently it's Gotham Knights. There's, there's oh. something I, there's something I can't put my finger on. Oof. I, I like, I've looked at the IGN first. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm holding it, it'll, out. It'll
3: hold. be, it'll be the RPG, uh, skill tree elements plus the different feeling combat. That's what it'll be Paris. That's, that's, that's my Let's, guess.
2: But we'll see. We'll see October. I think it's coming out in October, right? Yeah.
3: yeah.
1: Let's keep your Spidey senses tingling because... You brought up a photo of an event you went to way back in the day, and we just had the quote-unquote leak of a possible cover art and release date for Dead Island 2. And I need to get your vibe on this, because I told Blessing about Saints Row said, there's no way this works. Do you think Dead Island 2 will come out and impress, or do you think we'll have the same situation here like we did with Saints Row?
2: I hate to say it, but I think it'll be similar um, I, it, unless there's just been a complete overhaul of whatever they were doing, because that picture, uh, it was E3 2015. We're at a Dead Island 2 party. So unless they've completely overhauled it here in the past seven years, and you're basically going to release the same concepts and ideas that you had seven years ago, uh, I just it'll be, it'll be the same thing. I not I just don't think it'll hold up. I think it'll feel like a, it'll feel dated. Yeah, you know
1: that that's my worry paris is will it feel dated how much work has really been had on that and Mm -hmm. is it going to come back like you know i want to wrap up the saints row one by if you want more info on saints row go check out our games cast we did give it a two out of five on the kind of funny scale as bad there's a lot of bugs there's a lot of samey content the story is forgettable and not as engaging and wacky as you want it to be but you can learn more about that but i want to wrap it up by saying when we look at dead island 2 and we'll talk about that when this game comes out Saints Row, is this the end of the franchise? Is it time to move on to something new and different? Or do you think that this team will take the criticism or take the good and the bads and come back with a different Saints Row later on?
2: I hope it's not. I'll say it that way. I hope not. I hope. There is another opportunity, like you said, for for the devs to take a lessons learned from some of the feedback that they're going to get from this iteration and maybe even this game itself. Maybe there's some updates and expansions and DLCs and things they can do with this game, you know, to to continue to improve it over the next few years. So I know more. I think about it. No, I don't think this is the end. I definitely think we'll see more Saints Row.
1: We have a viewer question that will come in later and I'll, I'll talk about this again, but I do wish they added multiplayer because I've always brought up protect the pimp mode and how much I loved mm-hmm. that. I wish they did that. But I also think, I think this is the sa- end of Saints Row. I think that this team mm-hmm. is very talented and I like their open world action games that they create. I want them to create something new and different in that genre, right? I look at a game like Maneater from Tripwire Entertainment, right? The shark RPG that we played, which is just GTA as a shark. And I love that game. It was new. It was different. And I think that this team has the DNA and the foundation. I think we should move on and put the rest to same throw and maybe try something different and a little bit more fun like that. So I hope that this team, no matter what happens, knows that they have a great foundation and uh, comes back with something different or maybe the same. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Paris talking about new. We got some new stuff to talk about because we got to go behind closed doors and learn a little bit more from with obsidian and their new game pentiment but i want to talk about that right after a word from our sponsors
0: this episode is brought to you by Me Undies. Of course, I'm Tim Geddes. I love Me Undies. It is very rare, if ever, that you'll see me not wearing Me Undies head to toe. I'm wearing the Me Undies shirt. I'm wearing the Me Undies lounge shorts. I'm wearing the Me Undies socks. I'm wearing the Me Undies undies. Of course I am. Everyone knows Me Undies for their super soft undies and comfy bralettes. But did you know that they make other stuff too? They have daily tees, shorts, rompers that add a little silky softness to your everyday. They even make hoodies for your dog. You know the Toretto and Moose be rocking those as well. MeUndies is your destination for all things soft and sustainable. For any first-time purchasers, you get 20% off plus free shipping and returns. To get 20% off your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash kindoffunny. That's MeUndies.com slash kindoffunny. You're not going to regret it. You're going to love undies just like I do. MeUndies.com slash kindoffunny. All
1: right, everybody, welcome back. Paris, this is a fun one. This is pretty cool to go and be part of this event to see behind closed doors with Obsidian, talk with Josh Sawyer and Hannah Kennedy from Obsidian. Of course, Josh Sawyer is the studio design director at Obsidian and the game director of Pentiment, and Hannah Kennedy is the art director. And they spoke with us about their upcoming narrative adventure game, Pentiment, scheduled for release in November 2022. Now, it was a lot more of a hey, here's the vibe check of this game. Here's what we were doing going into it. It wasn't like we played the game. Not much gameplay was presented at this. It was mainly Josh and Hannah talking about the inspirations of the game, the art style, and kind of the messaging of this is what this game is all about. So I'll read a little bit of it, but Paris, I'm sure you'll help me. Let's talk about Pentiment here. So Pentiment is a passion project made by a small but highly skilled team of 13 devs at Obsidian. While this game is a narrative adventure, it has RPG yes. elements that make it an Obsidian game, but they stressed it's light on RPG elements. Players will find a unique take on art style and vibes in a historical adventure game. Josh Sawyer has wanted to make a historical game for some time, but didn't push the idea of making the game like this until Microsoft was going to buy Obsidian. He said that it was more uneasy Uh, to make a game like this with the traditional route of the publisher route before. I have a lot more details, but Paris, just off the initial gist, what did you think of Josh's comments about making this game, this kind of passion project of his?
2: Yeah, I think that's an important point. And kind of goes to show, you know, and I've talked about on previous shows uh, about, you know, how, how much I adore Obsidian. And I think ultimately they're going to be, if not the most important, one of the most important acquisitions in the history of Xbox Game Studios. And it's for exactly reasons like this. It's them now having the flexibility to go off and do a passion project like this. And obviously Microsoft being on board to allow them to go chase a passion project like this. Like you said, 13 people worked on this game and they're not going into it, expecting it to be this huge, big AAA experience that if Obsidian was still, you know, an independent developer, you know, they would basically have to like, hey, have to sell a publisher on financing and publishing, you know, this game because they're going to want to return on their investment. But instead, with Microsoft's new strategy, obviously, you know, Game Pass plays a part in this as well. You can make a game like this. You can make a game that, you know, like you said, is a narrative adventure game with some RPG elements, but it's more of a historical game. You're you're, you're gonna learn something while you're playing this game. You're gonna learn about the 16th century, you know, in upper Bavaria, if I'm saying that correctly, and and the Holy Roman empire, things like that. You're gonna understand how things worked during that era and, and the art style and everything that goes with that. So. Um. Yeah, I'm like, I'll tell you up front, I don't necessarily know if this will be a game for me, but listening to Josh talk about it and seeing his passion for it, I'm definitely interested to give it a try, right? And maybe, like you said, I start playing it and I, and I actually come out on the other side more enriched because of it. I've learned something about it. I've learned about an era of history by being able to play a game like this. Um, so, yeah, I'm. I'm actually I'm very happy to see that. Josh was able to get a passion project. And I think this could be a signal that we see other developers get similar opportunities to make something that, you know, we're not expecting it to be this huge, big selling game, but it's something that from, from a creative and artistic standpoint, they're allowed to go do. And you never know what could become of something like this. So it, very interested to see what the final product will look like when it releases. Hey, brought up two good ones for me. First off, yeah, Paris, I agree with you. I was
1: very similar coming out of the summer games presentation when we saw Pentiment for the first time, right? I think everybody throws around Josh Sawyer's name, they throw around Obsidian and they think New Vegas, New Vegas yep. 2. Mm-hmm. Give me the big RPG. That's what they're known for. And Josh, in multiple interviews, has talked about I've made those games for 20 years, right? I wanted to do something different. I wanted something that I can, you know, put my really finger on. And this is that. And hearing his passion, I totally agree with you, Paris. It went from being kind of lukewarm and ice cold to this of going, okay, well I'm going to give this a try with an open mind and maybe see where this goes. Cause there was some really cool moments that you and I saw a big one that he talked about is the font, right? This game is really driven about you talking with other characters. And of course you're going to kind of unravel this mystery of your best friend and your mentor uh, is accused of a murder. And so you take it upon yourself to go solve that murder and kind of save your best friend from, getting the repercussions of that but at the same time you'll unravel a giant conspiracy that goes on for 25 years so they really talk about like a generation of this game where you're going to see children grow up into adults as you're playing this but the big one was the font right like everybody comes in and depending on their you know background and their history the font might be different and that's what captured my attention was every time the font came up it was something different or you looked at and you go oh what's that and you can actually click on pieces of the font and go into their glossary where it will tell you what characters they are, who's on the screen, and then also like historical facts like you brought up here. So I thought that was really interesting and different that I, I wasn't quite ready for that actually caught my attention a lot.
2: Yeah, completely agree. And that's what I would say to anyone that that is watching or listening to this now. And obviously, this is a preview. We haven't gone hands-on with it, so we ultimately don't know what the final product is going to be of the game. but. It's something different. And I think, you know, this is what we've we've talked about with Microsoft taking this approach with Xbox Game Studios and creating, uh you know, Game Pass and having just a variety of different types of games and genres that you can try out in that service. And, you know, this game will be at retail as well. You can buy it standalone, play it on Steam, you know, on console, whatever. But again, it is a part of Game Pass. So if you're a subscriber to that, kind of because this is how I'm thinking about it. It's like, I will give this a try because yes. it, it is different enough. This isn't like, I remember seeing this during the showcase and I go, what is that? <laughs> like, I have no <laughs> idea, right? And then, you know, I just knew that Obsidian was making it and immediately hearing Obsidian, I go, okay, this is something I need to pay attention to. And then to your point, seeing just the passion of Josh uh, talking about this game and then, and I'm blanking on her name. I don't know if you have any Anna Kennedy thank you you know the art is the art director is that her correct yep. title? yeah um and just seeing the art style of this game yeah i mean it, it looks great it's it's different you don't there's nothing i can think of off the top of my head that i would compare this to right now right so let's give it a shot Let, let's yeah. see what it is so i think getting that presentation and seeing this preview and seeing how dedicated this small team what was to this absolutely and and i'll even say this I, and I'll take this back, you know, when when I did the showcase back in 2021 and sitting down with the grounded team. Yeah, uh, there I was gonna and, bring it up. Yeah. And talking to them. And that started off with 17 people, you know, and look, we're about to have, get the 1.0 product of that. So, you know, sometimes great ideas have have smaller, you know, meager, humble beginnings, however the phrase goes, right. And, you know, maybe it may not necessarily be pentiment, maybe this sparks the idea for obsidian to do something even bigger and bolder with this concept. So absolutely. I'm, I'm definitely intrigued by it and want to see where this goes. Yeah. You brought up like the
1: passion projects and the smaller teams taking on these opportunities that maybe they couldn't do if they went the traditional route, like Josh Mm -hmm. brought up and obsidian and grounded are a great start to that. Right. It looks like the team is back at it again, able to do that, but you brought up the art style. And this is another one for me, I think of an art style that didn't really connect with me right at the beginning and that's as dusk falls and I fell in love yeah. with that art style by the end of the experience and for us to go in there and watch this hour long, you know, kind of conversation and preview with these two, I fell in love with the art style. I thought it was really cool and to hear the background of like, oh, we learned from, you know, real historians here of what this was, how they were doing this and then we put it into the game. It looks cool and it sounds great. Um man, so much to go over of course Very big um, inspiration and gameplay elements like Oxenfree and Night in the Woods were his two comparisons there. So definitely something if you are interested in those games, that's what you can kind of expect is exploring the world, talking to characters, creating connections, especially with them over generations. And also kind of like finding and investigating clues. And then you will be able to throw the book at someone and like accuse them of the murder and they might die or, you know, maybe they'll take the punishment. But like they could be gone forever depending on who you choose which i thought was pretty cool too
2: and i think one other key point to bring into this he he made it a he made it a, a emphasis to say that this is a game for non gamers this yes. isn't this isn't extremely difficult or anything like that this is something to be a pick up and play experience and get you into the story and into this narrative and like you said unraveling this mystery you know so people that aren't hardcore gamers can look at this Pick up this game and give it a shot. And I think just looking at the overall picture here, these are the kind of games that you need when you talk about people that aren't gamers. Give them something to wet the palate, right? Let's let's ease you in, and then maybe you get hooked on it. And you go, hey, I really like that. Now maybe I'll go try this or I'll go try that on down the road. So, like I said, i I I walked into this going, I don't know what this is. Is this for me? Not sure if it is for me, but. Hearing Josh talk about it, I I am definitely intrigued. and I I will absolutely give this a shot.
1: Yeah, keep an eye on this one. He also said at the end, there's a playable demo at Gamescom. So it Mm -hmm. sounds like we're going to learn more or at least have more people going hands-on with their impressions as well. So if you're out of Gamescom this week, enjoy, because maybe you'll be able to play Pentiment as well. But Paris, that's a cool one. It was really great experience to be able to share that with you and that team at Obsidian. And yeah, I think you and I went from Hey, what is this? I don't know if this is for me, too. Okay, you have my attention. I'm excited to see what you got. Let's jump in, and uh, we'll try it when it comes out in November 2022. Well, let's keep it going, Paris, because there's a game you don't have to wait long for. It's coming to PC Game Pass, and I'm all about this game. That's Death Stranding, y'all. Death Stranding is coming to PC Game Pass on August 23rd. So tomorrow, the day uh, day that we're recording this, it's tomorrow. So Yesterday, if you're hearing this on Wednesday... But Kojima Productions and 505 Games partnered with Xbox to put this on PC Game Pass. I'm all about it, Paris. I, I know you and I, there's we always have the conversation of the general audience who is not on social media, that's not the console warrior, doesn't care about anything, just wants to play games. And then there's social media where people get way uptight and too upset about things. And so for the general audience, this is going to be awesome because right, it was a PlayStation exclusive, came over to PC. Now it's on Game Pass PC for the Xbox fans who might have Ultimate or just PC Game Pass. But now you get to jump in to this Kojima Productions joint. And I freaking love this. As someone who's been playing it just last month, I've had so much fun with this. And I'm really glad that more people get to play it. For the people on social media, getting up tight, y'all gotta chill. <laughs> Y'all got to just enjoy things. It is insane yeah, yeah. to see people upset about a game coming to PC Game Pass. It's but, insane, but Mike, man. how is it on
3: this platform when Sony owns the IP? How could they let this happen to one of their own IP, Mike? How?
1: It's crazy, right, Baird and pairs It's crazy stuff. Well, but here,
3: here's really the exciting. wild thing
2: about that. Just, uh, first four minutes, let me let me just say this about Death Stranding not my bag. It, it's not for me. It's not something I tried to get into it. Because uh, you know, when it when 505 put it on a PC last year, you know, I, I they, they did send me a code, you know, full disclosure, and I tried it. And it's just it's not for me. But that's okay. Not every game has to be for me. I understand the importance of it. Like you're saying, Mike, I know a lot of people that are highly enthusiastic about this game, absolutely adore it for what it is. Um, but here's the funny part about what we're talking about all the discourse we saw over the last week it's been it's already been on PC. Anybody that has wanted to play this on PC easily could have picked it up a year ago and play it. What the beauty of this is, is the fact that you know, Microsoft, they made whatever deal they need needed to do. Got it on PC game pass. It allows someone that is on the fence that just so happens to to be a sub to game pass now you go try it. You go try it for yourself. You can be like someone that'd be skeptical like me could then go to at least try it and see if it's for them. If it's not, no harm, no foul, you move on. So it's just another avenue to get people to discover a game that is obviously critically acclaimed, you know, coming from a legendary developer in, in Kojima, you know, Metal Gear Solid 2. Um, but I'm I'm happy to see it. Like yeah. I said, I'm happy to see that this is another opportunity for people to be able to check out this game. And, you know, being on Game Pass, hey, it just adds more value to that service too. So I'm sure it's, it's, it's honestly, it's a win-win all around. I, it's, it's a, I don't see a negative in this, in any scenario.
1: Yeah, no no negatives at all. right. And if you're on the fence or if you haven't played this game or don't know about it, go check it out. It is a ton of fun. It's a Kojima joint. Him and the team have whipped up a wild and crazy story that you're going to be shaking your head and scratching your head at going, what is happening? But this is dope. Uh, a very mellow gameplay loop, right? Of Everybody talks about it as you're just a UPS driver right. dropping packages off. And there's some intense moments, right? There's some action. There's some stealth going on, which I really like. But what it's all about is just getting lost in the beautiful vistas in the world that he created, right? Like, this is a game that's going to be wowing. You're going to be in awe at some of these really cool moments. And I love the story. If you liked Metal Gear... You're going to be on the edge of your seat going what is happening here throughout, but great grab for PC game pass. Shout out to the team over at Xbox. I thought that was a really cool one this week to announce ahead of Gamescom.
2: But I also think I can't remember if we, did we talk about this last week? Was that what the rumors are? I can't remember, but even if I didn't say it last week, I'll say it again. Or if I did say it last week, I'll say it again. Um, I want to see more PC specific games get into game Pass. This obviously is not one of them because it you know it was started off on console but the point of like when you think pc game pass itself like the first game you, a lot of people think of would be something like age of empires 4 right yes. but i would would love to see more pc centric titles come into pc game pass and basically build up the value on that side of the platform versus you know it's console brother uh because there's just simply not enough of them currently i mean you know slowly but surely it's starting to get there like i think of a game even though it's on on console now like gears tactics obviously started its life out on pc so yeah you want to see more internal stuff come from xbox game studios that can be built for pc right and then hopefully they can work with some more of their third party partners and bring some more of those experiences there as well because you know at at my heart, I'm I'm I usually def- I usually default to playing things on PC first before I play them on console. So the more things that could come to PC that you can play with a mouse and keyboard, I'd love to see it.
1: I like that, Paris. And for me, when I think about my PC, right, because for me, most of the games that I want to play will come to both, right? They're on mm-hmm. both, and I can get away with playing either on the console, or the PC. But for me, when I boot up my PC, what I'm always drawn into is on Steam those like five dollar games those early access games that people get hooked on right like you think phasmophobia or for me right now it's the mortuary's assistant which might be on console but the mortuary's assistant and inside the back rooms where it's like well that's a five dollar game on steam and it's only on steam right i can't play it on my console i would like to see games like that come to pc game pass where i know you're going to give me the heavy hitters and they'll continue to do better at that but give me some of these smaller games that are like the Colt hits right now and like save me the five to $15 and let me get lost in this service. Cause that's where I find my Steve purchases are coming from.
2: Agreed. I, one of that I can think of off the top of my head. And it's kind of, it's, we keep saying old school a lot. And really it's like a few years ago, but another old school one that is a PC only game is papers, please. So okay. that you play with mouse and keyboard. I would love, and again, anyone that wants to know what it is, go Google it. And you'll see it's, it's a phenomenal concept of, I don't. I don't even want to spoil it, but that's a PC only game. It's probably I don't know five or ten bucks right now on Steam, but that's something you put in in PC Game Pass that people would have a curiosity factor about. Go try it. There's a ton yeah. of games like that that I would love to see people do. Uh, I, I could go forever because I'm thinking of yes. like a 10, ten million you know, more. You, but you see I, you know. what I'm talking <laughs> about? Yeah, really yeah, fast. Yeah. I,
1: I want those because I do feel yeah. like I get the big ones right, like. Two point campus, for example. Like there's my yeah. PC game that I want to play with the mouse and keyboard, right? But like those games that I I get to steam on and everybody's doing that. That's what I want to see for sure. I want, I want more of those for sure. Agreed. So, let's keep it going because we got some fun ones, Paris, as we start to round out the show. First off, over on QuakeCon, we had a really awesome panel from the team over at Arcane Austin to sit down and talk about Redfall. Just some more details. It's a 21 minute Kind of panel with the team and uh it did go into some really cool details that you kind of already knew, but a little bit further than what you did know. So some big of the notable ones are uh they're really working on the hybrid of what Arcane does well with the hybrid of first-person games and RPGs. They want to make it work solo and co-op, but also keep that narrative style to it. They talked about their biggest town/slash map ever, right? So this is going to be their biggest and baddest one that they've ever done, and they really are talking about the gameplay and keeping it dynamic like you've seen from previous titles, right? And being able to do it solo, but also work together and be able to do some really cool dynamic stuff with your partners. Day and night cycle, dynamic weather, uh, random spawning and patrols of enemies. The story is about a biotech company that comes to the island and has found a way to turn themselves into vampires. And then the vampires aren't like your traditional vampires. They're a little bit different. So if they bite someone, they can actually choose what they become. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, they can kind of play with the cultists' idea of, oh, I get to become a vampire psych, you get to become a blood bag, is what they talked about, which was pretty cool as well. And uh, of course, the big baddies, the vampire gods, are the most powerful and the ones trapping you on the island. They talked about weapons, they talked about the team. It is a really cool deep dive for 21 minutes if you are interested in Redfall to get you excited about this, right? I think we all were a little let down that it got delayed out of this summer because we wanted to play it, but Man, this uh, got me excited again for this game, which is dope.
2: Yeah, same for me. And bringing it back to a point I brought up earlier during Saints Row, like you said, this is their biggest, (laughs) excuse me, biggest map ever that they're doing. But one key point that he made was there's no vehicles in this, right? It's all on foot. So that's going to make the map feel even bigger because you have to traverse it, again, on foot everywhere you go. (laughs) Excuse me. So my hope is, along with that, all these different areas of this island of this town are very dense, in that there's a lot of explorable elements to it. When we talk about it feeling lived in, and and just the people that the NPCs that you're going to encounter and things like, there's a lot of secrets and things to discover as you traverse through through this town, through the through this island. So that kind of got me excited as well. You know, we we talked about what ultimately seems is going to be the one negative about this with the way that they're handling progression. We're yes. in a co-op mm-hmm. setting, but it seems like they want to make sure that this is a completely enjoyable and playable single player experience as well. And obviously, you know, the the, the Dishonored roots and Prey roots, you know, that that this team brings to it. I'm, I'm excited to see that. Um, but yeah, I love the fact that even with the vampires, you know, biting the NPCs and you don't necessarily know what you're going to get you know, because <laughs> of that, right? I thought that was a fun element to it. And the fact that the NPCs, they're going to have NPCs that want to get bit, right? They want, you know, to to join the vampires, they may not necessarily get what they want out of it. So I think there's a lot of opportunity here in this world to have these various scenarios and these encounters that you're going to have, obviously, in a co-op and in a single player experience. And again, going back to the Dishonored Roots and the Prey Roots, you know, that, that uh, Arcane brings to this. I'm very excited to see, not along with the weapon variety, but also the, the various, you know, magical powers or whatever you want to call it, abilities that you're going to have as well in this. It's looking good. It really is. Yeah. It's really looking good. Um, I hope, and I'm not going to wood. I hope this is a January release. I hope we get this oh. right at the beginning of the year. That's my hope. I hope it's you like think kick off game? the year with a bang. If that if, if, You if think Xbox-
1: Gamescom or Game Awards? Where do you think we announced something like that?
2: Oh, I'm, I'm going to take it even deeper, Mike. Not that I have any inside knowledge. No inside that knowledge. this is going to announce. XO. Oh. Uh, XO. Okay. Yeah. November. Okay. If, if Microsoft, and again, I don't know nothing, but if Microsoft were to bring back XO this year, and obviously we'll see with, you know, with the pandemic and cases and all that, if they could even do it. But if they were to try and bring back a big fan event with XO, that's where you do it. What if you're yes. like at Redfall, you, you get it January 20th, 2023, yeah. you know, and, and you can have that whole thing right there. I think that would be a great platform to do it. And obviously if they don't do an XO, then yeah, I think the game awards would, do would you, be a Do great you think that wouldn't
3: it. be too tight of a turnaround to announce the date? And then it's a, a month and a half later. And just knowing with like how uh, distribution uh, has to be like kind of turned around that quickly. Bar- like this that. is
2: what I'm going to say. What are, you gonna say?
3: what are you gonna say
2: if we're in because because i've been talking about this recently and i think i've even said it here mm-hmm. 2023 is a reckoning for xbox game studios Ooh, 2023 oh 2023 has to be the year that they start delivering yeah. on a lot of these games that they have already announced and we obviously have gotten the roadmap we know what's coming the first half of 2023 so imagine this scenario just stay with me on a second the end of january we're getting redfall Okay. Then in March, we're getting Forza. Okay. And wow. then you turn it right back around in April. What you're getting Minecraft Legends. Okay, okay. okay. And then you the coup de grace, mm. the, the the chef's kiss. In May, you get Starfield. Cool. And then wow, in okay. June, next showcase. Here's what you get in the back half of 2023. Here comes Hellblade Two and yes. whatever else. Uh, uh. Right. That makes sense. Like so. I, so I, look, I, look, 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 look! If I was working in marketing, <laughs> this would be the year. This would be the year Game Pass. That's I, what I would and call it. And like, I, I deliver- don't, just,
3: I, like, I don't think January is like too crazy or out of the question. Yeah. I just wonder if Game Awards is too late of a place to announce that. I also, you know, I, I know Jeff Keeley is trying to make Gamescom a thing. I know yeah. that Gamescom is technically, uh, by human number-wise, the biggest uh, 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 gaming event on the world, on the planet. Um, that's not where like, the huge, crazy AAA like, uh, announcements come out of, so I, I, I don't think we, we see it here. Again, the biggest thing I remember uh, working Gamescom a few years, the biggest thing that came out of that was uh, Biomutant, Mike. Remember how cool Biomutant was? Uh And everybody was (laughs) like, oh my god, this game looks awesome. And in the back Uh. of my head, running the live show for IGN back in whatever it was, 2017, maybe 2018, uh, thinking... This game kind of looks whatever, and then it came out and it was very whatever. Yeah, um, and I feel like that was the biggest thing to come out of Gamescom. Now will Jeff Keighley turn that around like he did, like uh, he was trying to last year and this year? Maybe, Mike. Maybe, 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 and maybe so, Redfall is uh, you know on the on the set list tomorrow. Uh, but for here to, to, to your point, this before opening night live, all that stuff. So maybe I'm eating my words later this week.
2: No, but to your point, Barrett, because I agree, they're turning around announcing that at Gamescom. I don't believe that at all. When would you then? because either you're going to have another like an exo event like like again this is pretend but if redfall were to come because you got to figure out a minimum of something's coming in february you got to think right so even too many things coming in
3: february already i'm saying oh i'm
2: saying i'm saying from xbox game studios specifically they got to have something in february at a minimum in my opinion so when would you announce that? You would think if they're going to put a date on something, it probably does need to be around that November timeframe. So whether they're doing an actual fan event mm-hmm. like XO, they got a, I don't know if it's Xbox or or whatever, you would think that they would say, hey, we expect Redfall to be out, like I said, January 20th or February 15th or whatever the yeah. case, you would think you want to start announcing it then. I do kind of agree since Keeley just announced that the game rewards will be December 8th. Um, that probably is too late, too deep into the holiday period to start talking about game release the beginning of the year. So I think if Redfall or whatever, whatever their early 2023 announcement would be, I, I would think it's probably in October or November. Okay. You know, thinking about it reasonably. Okay. I'm
1: excited about that, Paris. <laughs> Let's end the show with one final quick news piece. Uh, Embracer Group, the team that you don't They're know, but everything. you do know, yeah. they buy and everything and they have bought... Not only a bunch of development studios like one of the games I brought up earlier, Tripwire Entertainment, but they bought the IP rights to Lord of the Rings, Paris Lily. And of course, I wanted to bring this up because we've had some great Lord of the Rings games in the past. We talked about Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War last week. I just want to bring up, hey, Embracer Group, make Lord of the Rings Two Towers and Return of the King playable on next generation consoles or remaster them in some way. And also make Lord of the Rings Battle for Middle Earth 3, which is a dope, like, continue that dope RTS franchise with Lord of the Rings Battle for Middle Earth 1 and 2. Make number 3. And also, shout out, not many people know this, but Lord of the Rings had a MOBA on Xbox 360 Arcade, and we didn't get many MOBAs back then, and it was all right. It wasn't great, but it was all right. Paris, Lord of the Rings for you. I know you, we talked about the Shadow of War games, but is there something that you want Embracer to do on the Lord of the Rings game front?
2: Yeah, I would say it'd be perfect for an RTS. Yes. I mean that's that's just a no-brainer right there. Like you said, whether they dip back in, do some type of remake or just do something brand new, yeah, I would love to see an RTS in the Lord of the Rings universe. It's it's just it just screams it. It's built for. Yeah,
3: it. Only if they uh, have trebuchets.
1: Trebuchets, man. Yeah. Trebuchets. Yeah. Shout out to History and Games, y'all. <laughs> Shout out to Grand Turismo teaching me about cars. Shout out to hands on history at age of empires for teaching me about trebuchets and falconry and so much more like put more history in your games and I'm there for it. And that's what Josh Sawyer wants to do. Give me a little sprinkle of history so I can learn about that. I think it's a great gateway for me and so many others to just be like, okay, I'll take five minutes out of my day. Tell me what you got there. So that would be dope. Personally. It is the end of the show. Another great week.
2: We, we can't leave about- yet. We oh, can't what you get got? out of here yet because i thought got? i thought because I, I saw the notes i thought we were going to talk about this and i'll keep Tell it me. extremely brief cult of the lamb is a game of the year contender
1: oh my god paris i didn't get to let you talk about that school us on cult of the lamb because we No, i just and i will right
2: keep it super brief i know no, already no. you know kind of funny you already did a review on it and everything uh-huh. yeah it's it's just phenomenal like it was something that i was aware of but i wasn't you know, it wasn't like on my radar, like, oh, my God, I need to play this. And then I saw the reviews come out and obviously I just saw just a universal praise. So, you know, I played it once it actually came out and I instantly fell in love with it. I love the combination of this being a management game along with basically like a dungeon crawler at the same time. The artwork in this is phenomenal. I love the music in it as well. Being able to get all your different followers but then you're going into you know into the dungeon crawling aspects and you're doing your mini boss fights and your boss fights you got to manage everything with all the different resources you got to get and set your followers in a devotion and your sacrifice i i just freaking love this game i I just i I just absolutely love this game um yeah i know because i know gary's playing it too so definitely next week gary and i got to talk about this more um but it, this is a game of year are a contender easily. It's now, really? this is... this Is, is it this
1: year's Death Door? That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. De-
2: Devolver Digital don't miss. Two, oh, two.
1: they don't miss people. Yeah. That's right. awesome. Really so good. you're liking it. That, okay, because, like, the soundtrack to me, I really, really liked. I haven't gone that in depth, but, like, the gameplay, right? You have that kind of top-down hack and slash, go through the dungeons, and then the management sim. What do you think of that blend? Do you like that blend of that's both that's what I right mean? There?
2: It's you're you're taking two distinct things and putting them together in this fun way. Like, you know, you're obviously this I don't even say cute lamb. I mean hell, you're, you're freaking sacrificing people and all this, and you you're literally running a cult. But the way that they they manage, they put the two together, it just totally works. Like basically you're you're leaving your your followers off to you know the farm and the tenure resources and everything or you're off in the dungeons and fighting bosses and you're collecting other resources to bring back then you got to listen to the needs of your followers they could you're running scenarios where they don't believe anymore and and if it gets to the point where you can't convince them to come back you might have to you know get them out of there so they don't convince other people they'll lose faith in you too and you're doing your sermons you got to do your ritual dude there's so much in this game you'll you'll actually be shocked actually so i'm assuming you haven't played it then right no i haven't no yeah, no, no, yeah huh. yeah so if you pick this up and start playing it you'll it's a lot deeper than you think okay I'll put it that way I,
3: okay I, I i i would push back a little bit I think when I left it because I, I been through it in a weekend um, yeah. and like really got into it. I th- I do think it's a great like checklist game. Uh, kind of a, a great time to like have on my Steam Deck while my mo- m- while my wife yeah. is like watching stuff on the TV and stuff, and then, um, you know, uh, putting the headphones on because that soundtrack is freaking amazing um i i I did feel leaving it i felt like it uh both sides of the uh roguelike uh aspect to it and the uh town management uh uh, animal crossing like uh aspect to it both felt surface level and i i don't think that's necessarily a, a Bad thing, but it was something that, like, once I, um, kind of rolled credits and found myself, uh, just kind of like doing extra stuff for the sake of doing extra stuff. I, I didn't feel like I was building to anything else, and I felt like, all right, well, I, I, I built to the end credits yeah. and I built to the kind of goal that's uh, given to this lamb at the beginning of the game. I don't feel the need to continue to be in this world anymore um and so that was like the slight disappointment i had with it but at the same time i do it it was the game that made me realize of the appeal of animal crossing and games like it uh uh, that my wife you know put hundreds of hours into animal crossing during the pandemic uh like so many other people right like it was the game where i was like okay i get it for sure and i I did enjoy my time with it i do think it's a great game i for me personally, I don't know if it's a game of the year contender, and I I, I imagine for like indie game of the year, it'll definitely be in that oh, conversation. Absolutely, the game yeah. uh, game award mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, when it comes to the greater conversation, uh, it'll be interesting to see where it lands. But for me, personally, yeah, I mean,
2: I mean, yeah. being realistic, you are right. When when we do get to the Keelys, I, I don't see this standing because up because let there, me let me be clear. It's
3: a st- Guys, it's a stacked year. I know people are like uh, 2022 dry because you know there's not all these franchises coming out uh, left and right. But man, like uh, Mike, let me walk you through it. Like Ali ali World, uh, you know I'm gonna list Terrific. off some play uh, I'm gonna Terrific. list off some PlayStation games. So don't like be mad at me really quick. Uh, you know Sifu Horizon. Elden Ring, Tunic, Kirby, uh, Star Wars, uh, the Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, The Quarry, uh, TMNT Shredder's Revenge, Neon White, Cuphead DLC, As Dust Falls, Stray, Cult of the Lamb, Rollerdrome. Like, I, I didn't vibe with the first Pokemon game that came out this year. But then there's another Pokemon game that's coming out this year. We still got God of War Ragnarok. We got Mario plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope, even though Gary hates rabbits, even <laughs> though that, those games are freaking incredible. We got High on Life, uh, Gotham Knights. Maybe it's going to be mid like uh, Paris is, uh, you know, with the Spidey sense and stuff like that. Who knows? But it's a uh, it's been a pretty cool year and it will be interesting to see where we're of the lamb kind of uh, uh, filters in on the end of the year conversation. I do think it'll oh. definitely get some love from from outlets, though. But it's just I'm just saying it's a, it's more of a stacked year than I think people are giving it credit for.
2: No, I don't disagree with that, but Elden Ring's going to win. <laughs> I mean, uh, oh. at the end of the day.
3: <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Uh, it's got it's God so of War Ragnarok, good. and uh, w- when it comes to uh, video game industry people voting, it'll be interesting to see, you know, Sekiro won uh, the the Keeleys uh, a few years ago, but Sekiro wasn't also up against a big juggernaut like the God of War franchise, which I think is more uh, accessible because it's a little more... Um, I don't know what the, the equivalent term of this is, but like Oscar Beatty, a little bit, you know, in, in that sense. So it'll be interesting. Well, um,
2: well yeah. I did have a vote last year. Oh. So hopefully I get a vote again
3: this year. And oh. I, I will, no, I'm going to call definitely... Keithy right now. I'm going to be like, hey, don't, don't <laughs> let this <me know." laughs>
1: <laughs> You two are the best. A big year and so much more to look forward to. Hope you enjoyed this week's Kind of Funny X-Cast. Don't forget to leave a comment down over on the YouTube. Let us know who you think is walking out of our mini Battle Royale on the island, Ma- Master Chief, Doom Guy, or BJ. And of course, thank you all so much for watching. Hopefully you're excited for Pentiment and we'll learn so much more at Gamescom this week. It's happening now as you're listening and we'll see you back here for next week's Kind of Funny X-Cast. Peace, everybody.